Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. By hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. And if we're going to be strong in the Lord, we need to do lots of hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. Who wants to be a weakling in the Lord? No, we want to be strong in the Lord. And that can only come when we set our own opinions aside and follow the Word of God. The Word of God is true. It's yes and amen to every believer, rich or poor, white or black or Asian or uh, uh, Hispanic. It doesn't matter where you came from. It matters if you believe God's Word, He'll take you somewhere. And where He's got uh, you heading is not only eternal life, but as we taught a while back, the high life, C-H. A-I, high life, the abundant life, the blessed life, a quality life, a good life. That's God's purpose and plan. Amen. So uh, our Torah study today, oh, I want to welcome, if you're on Zoom, Gerald, do we have any Zoomers? Uh, Peace, love, Jesus, two. Yeah, there's a uh, permanent link on the Torah page on the... Uh, New Beginnings website, You just uh, for your friends that want to learn more, uh, they can click that link and log in uh, any uh, Sunday morning. But uh, today we're in Torah study number 5 uh, in Genesis 23 through Genesis 25. Uh, and this is the uh, Torah study uh, uh, entitled, The Life of Sarah. And we've done some great teaching through the years on the life of Sarah. Uh, and, uh, but today, I want to get into uh, some of the historical facts on who owns the land of Israel. Because within this Torah study, Abraham... Uh, uh, performs and purchases the first bit of real estate in the land of Israel. It probably is the oldest recorded real estate transaction in history. For sure in Bible history, but probably in all of human history. So we're going to get into that before we do. Happy Veterans Day. To all of our veterans, and also let's uh, uh, lift up Pastor Larry and lift up Israel in prayer. They need some miracles, and you'll learn more about that. Uh, But as I said, the uh, Torah study today, it begins uh, in Genesis 23-1, and it begins with the death of Sarah. And it's a significant teaching uh, because, as I just mentioned, it's the oldest recorded real estate transaction in history. Abraham's purchase of her burial site in Hebron. Hebron still exists to this day. 
And the site is well known. You may have never studied on this, but it's called the Cave of Machpelah in Hebron. Still there. Abraham purchases this property from Ephron the Hittite. And it's the first time in recorded history that a Jew pays full price. That's a Jewish joke, so it's okay. He pays an outrageous amount. And yet all things work together for good, right? Because the purchase was the very first of its kind in Israel, and it provides ancient evidence that Israel is the rightful owner to the land. In Genesis 23, 17, it says, Abraham bought the plot of land belonging to Ephron at Machpelah near Mamre. This included the field itself, the cave that it was in, and all the surrounding trees. Verse 18. It was transferred to Abraham as a permanent possession in the presence of the Hittite elders at the city gate. Then Abram, Abraham buried his wife Sarah there in Canaan in the cave of Machpelah near Mamre, also called Hebron. And so uh, the Bible teaches and rabbinical sources comment on this purchase that cost 400 shekels of silver. Abraham paid 400 shekels of silver, and that was enough to purchase a grand estate at that time. But he paid the price anyways, so that he could ignite a series of events that would leave a legacy of ownership. Dating back 4,000 years. Amen. And I couldn't help but think that even today, Israel, Abraham's descendants, you and I are grafted in, the Bible says, Romans 11. Uh, Galatians 3 says that we are the seed of Abraham, Christian believers. Uh, but Abraham's descendants, the Jewish people, still face the same kind of negotiation that Abraham faced with the Hittites. Uh, they still demand to this day outrageous sums, outrageous negotiations in order to have peace. So whether... The price is paid in money, or the land is acquired by international law and the legal right of conquest. Israel has the claim to the land, biblically, legally, historically, and there's all kinds of evidence, including archaeological evidence and more that we'll get into. But unfortunately, uh, no amount of money or political concessions is ever enough. Can't we make a deal? Israel's been trying to make a deal 
And they always walk away because it's never about the land. It's about existence. That's why terror groups and nation states continue to threaten, demand, and terrorize this one tiny little Jewish state. And if the truth be told, history proves it's never been Palestinian land. Uh, Breaking news, Palestinian history only goes back about 60 years. Right? Prior to the PLO and Yasser Arafat, there is no Palestinian people. And that's about as far back as pro-Hamas. Have you noticed it's all these little college-age white girls out there protesting? What up with that? Go get a job. Get a degree and go work and be quiet. Because you don't know your history. I bet you if you went out on a man on the street, most of those protesters wouldn't even know who Yasser Arafat is. And so Palestinian history goes back 60 years. Abraham's history goes back 4,000 years. 4,000 to 60. In football terms, that's a blowout. <laughs> Even when you go back into Arab history, Muslim history, that only goes back 1,400 years. 690 years after Jesus. After Jesus. That's when Islam begins. 600, over 600 years after Jesus. Abraham's covenant with the Lord and promise of the land goes back 4,000 years. So this Jewish-Arab conflict that led to the brutal massacre of all of those innocent civilians by Hamas on October 7th is never about who owns the land. It's all about taking land. That's what the chant from the river to the sea is all about. Right? It means that one Jewish state is one too many. But there's something different this time around. This time around, Israel's not going to uh, pay Hamas's asking price. Amen. Amen. So historically, the life of Abraham presents an authentic record of Jews being anchored to the promised land. There's a reason it's called the promised land. Because God made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that this land will be yours. Does anybody believe the Bible today? Or do we need to get the ushers and pass out white out and you white out the verses you don't like, the promises you don't believe? Rip that page out of the Bible. There's countless historic and archaeological proofs that are evidence that Jewish ownership of Israel goes all the way back to 1200 B.C. 
Sometimes you see BCE, before the common era. And it lasted from 1200 BC through the Roman exile of 70 AD. And even beyond that, the Barcoba Rebellion in 132 AD. Or some call it CE, the common era. But you can go look at the city of David. Anybody been to Israel and seen the city of David? Anybody ever walked the pilgrim's road that they discovered 60 feet under the neighborhood? Anybody ever heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? Anybody ever been to Magdala? Where Jesus uh, healed the woman who touched the hem of his garment. Anybody climbed or took the tram up to the top of Masada? I've climbed it. One time. Got the t-shirt. And from now on, get on board the tram. Anybody ever heard of the Jesus boat? On the Sea of Galilee. The Jesus coin. Herod's tomb. There's an ancient church in Megiddo that they've discovered. There's literature written by the Jewish historian Josephus that describes the Jewish... All of this, along with our Bible, describes the Jewish presence long before Islam was even thought of. Islam isn't thought of until almost 700 A.D., Even after the Romans forced all the Jews into exile. You know, you watch Richard Burton in his Roman outfit, the robe, and you watch uh, uh, all the different old Hollywood movies and even newer ones like The Gladiator uh, sometimes make Rome seem like this wonderful, wonderful, dignified, moral place. They were some brutal people. And they hated Israel. They hated the Jews because the Jews wouldn't bow down. We believe in one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Anybody still believe in the one true God? Not a pantheon of gods. So... Even after they uh, started murdering Jews by the tens of thousands, following 70 A.D. and 132 A.D., uh, a lot of the Jews still uh, lived in the north. How many of you were with us on the last, uh, t- we went to Svat, Safed, that city on a hill that you see from the boat when you're on the Sea of Galilee. That's where uh, Jewish wisdom uh, resided. So, yeah, lots of uh, proof and evidence. And, and so today's study, this Torah study, opens up uh, an avenue of research to show us just how important the actual cave of Machpelah is. We've never been there uh, Because it's very dangerous. Jews live there, but it's just not very, uh, uh, it's not a very welcoming place. 
Uh, and, uh, and so maybe one day we'll go to the cave of Machpelah in Hebron. But it's this cave that Jacob made Joseph promise, you bring my bones out of Egypt and you take them to the cave of Machpelah. That happened. Abraham and Sarah are buried there. Isaac and Rebekah, Rivka, are buried there. Yitzhak and Rivka. Jacob and Leah are buried there. And according, now this blew my mind in researching this, even it's uh, in Jewish literature, even Adam and Eve are buried there. Yeah, and, and maybe around Christmas time uh, or next uh, Resurrection Sunday, we'll get into uh, why Jesus was crucified on Golgotha, the place of the skull. Whose skull? What does that mean, the place of the skull? And there's a whole buried teaching on that's where Adam lived. And Adam lived on Mount Moriah and Mount of Olives, and Golgotha is the place of Adam's skull. If, if you uh, want to study that, you know, there's a whole library on the Internet. Uh, but we can't get into all of that right now. But what we uh, learn is, uh, no wonder Abraham was willing to pay any price for this property. Because according to ancient Jewish wisdom, and the Bible says Abraham walked before God. Noah walked with God. Abraham walked before God. And they had conversations. For many, many years, there was an exchange between heaven and Abraham. When we get to heaven, we can ask, what you all talk about? <laughs> Uh, you have an eternity? <laughs> but according to ancient Jewish wisdom, uh, this is the threshold, this cave, to the Garden of Eden. But for today, the important fact is that history shows that beginning with Abraham, there's an authentic record. And there's irrefutable evidence of Jews being anchored to the promised land. Yeah, people have tried to run them out. Jerusalem has been occupied over the last 3,000 years, 36 different times. So who are the occupiers? The Muslim claim to the land of Israel is based on their initial occupation in 1634 A.D. So see, they're Johnny-come-latelys by a couple thousand years. And all these protesters, you only go back 60 years. And there's been all these different occupations all the way through 1917 at the end of World War I. The only basic exception on all the Muslim occupation was when the Crusaders occupied Jerusalem for about a century. Uh, that was in 1000 to 1100 A.D. The problem with any Arab narration is they never admit to any Jewish ownership. Never. 
but we know the truth. Amen. Amen. Beginning with Abraham and his purchase of the cave of Machpelah and the promises God made to Abraham and Isaac, the covenant son. Ishmael was a son of Abraham, but not the covenant son. God made promises to Ishmael, but never promises to the land. And then promises were made to Joshua, coming out of 40 years in the wilderness, coming out of Egypt, when Israel came in and took possession of the land. All of this is 19 centuries before Muhammad and Islam. Kind of tweaks all the narrative out there. I always wondered when Joshua came in, why they never went right to Jerusalem. Have you ever wondered that? Why did they go to Shiloh? Why didn't they just go right to Jerusalem? And there's an answer to that. Because at that time... Jerusalem was controlled by the Jebusites. And they derived their name from the ancient city of Jebus, which eventually became Jerusalem. And uh, history shows that they're probably the Hittites. Abraham buys the cave of Machpelah from Ephron the Hittite. They're likely one and the same, Jebusites and Hittites. And it was just the cave of Machpelah was just all part of their territory. Listen to what this says. This is ancient writings that teach that Ephron said to Abram, Abraham, We know that God will give this country to your descendants. Now, if you will make a covenant with us that Israel will not take the city of Jebus against the will of its inhabitants, we will cede to you the cave and give you a bill of sale. It's heavy, isn't it? Abraham makes the covenant. He closes the deal. Pays full price with the Hittite Jebusite leaders. And they have it engraved on bronze. And when Joshua leads Israel into the promised land, and I've always wondered again, why not just go to Jerusalem? That's the holy city. That's Zion. Why go to Shiloh, Shiloh, Shiloh for 400 years instead of Jerusalem? And one reason you can, this is in Judges one twenty one. one reason is they couldn't conquer Jebus. Because of that agreement that Abraham made. It's engraved in bronze and displayed in the center of the city. So from the time of Joshua until King David, Israel was prevented from conquering Jerusalem. Now, look, there can be other reasons. But I just found this reason pretty fascinating. Because I had always wondered, why not just go, why wait 400 years? But this reason concerning Abraham blows my mind. 
eventually King David gets the green light to conquer Jerusalem. And he promises a huge reward to anyone who conquers the city and destroys the bronze figures, the bronze testaments. That's in 2 Samuel. It tells the story about Joab. 2 Samuel 5 and all the way through. Joab, one of the commanders, the captains, leads a surprise attack. And he comes through the Gion Springs that runs uh, outside. How many of you know where the Gion? It's the Valley of Kidron. And he comes up through the water system in what's now called Warren's Well or Warren Shaft. We've been in there. And through that surprise attack, he conquers the city. But even after the city gets conquered, David still wants to pay for the land. And the Bible records in 2 Samuel 24-24 and 1 Chronicles 21-25 that David pays full value for the temple mound. It's in our Bible. He pays it in in Samuel. He pays it to a leader called Arauna. And in Chronicles, he goes by a different name, Ornan. But there's a real estate transaction. So now you have a second real estate transaction that's recorded in the Bible. Anybody still believe the Bible? I had a neighbor, we had our sign out during voting season, Vote Biblical Values, and a neighbor who confessed he was an elder of his church and a a believer said, question whether we should vote biblically. You, You don't believe everything in the Bible, he said. Of course, you know, being the diplomat and nice, gent gentle, kind man that I am. I didn't get into an argument with him because, uh, you know, you rebuke a, a, a scorner and you get a blot, Proverbs says. Rebuke a scorner, have an argument with somebody who's a know-it-all, and you end up with a blot. <laughs> that's, that's, good for Thanksgiving. that's good Thanksgiving meal advice when you got 15 people over. <laughs> So after all of that, King David buys the Temple Mount. There's no historic record of him ever selling the Temple Mount. Show me that proof. There is no proof. It's always been Jewish land. It's always been the land God gave to Israel. King David bought the Temple Mount, Mount Moriah. And... Abraham bought the cave of Machpelah. It's irrefutable evidence. From the earliest periods of Jewish history, the patriarchs knew there was something special about Mount Moriah, the Temple Mount. This is where Abraham offers up Isaac. 
This is where Jacob, who's fleeing Esau and heading back east, this is where Jacob has the dream of a ladder between heaven and earth. And in Genesis 28, 17, he even says, the Bible records it, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. Special place. No wonder it's been occupied 36 times in 3,000 years. Who are the occupiers? Well, uh, in, from the days of Jesus, the Romans. The Roman general Hadrian hated the Jews so much on the Temple Mount, he, he made sure that there were no remains of Solomon's temple, at that time Herod's temple, and they built a temple to Jupiter. The mythological god, Jupiter. Right on that site. Eventually, the Romans hated the Jews so much, they forced them into... Uh, 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 exile and they fled around the world and right now at the end times just before the coming of the messiah uh, uh, the uh, western world forced out the jews you and i as part of christianity are bringing back the jews fulfilling bible prophecy and of course, we, we've learned this, that it was at that time that the Romans wanted to systematically destroy any mention of the Jewish connection to Israel. And that's where the name Palestine started, by a Roman, pagan Roman general who built a, 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 a temple to Zeus, Jupiter, on the site of Herod Solomon's temple. They wanted to give the false impression that the Jews had no connection to the land. And it worked! And then you can just track through history. Emperor Constantine converted to Christianity and began the process of making the world Christian. And part of his goal was to scour out any Jewish presence. At one time, the Christians took control of the Temple Mount and turned it into a garbage dump. Today, when you look at the skyline, you see the Golden Dome. That's not Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. That's a shrine, a Muslim shrine. And it was built in 1691 A.D., hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years after Jesus. There was never any connection with the Temple Mount and the life of Mohammed. But eventually, Muslims started to teach the idea that the Temple Mount was all asked. And that is the place that is referred to as where Muhammad ascends into heaven, Allah. So 83 years after Muhammad dies, they build a mosque on the Temple Mount called Allah. And they say, well, this is where Muhammad uh, went into heaven. 
It took them a long time to make up the story. After all of that, the crusaders came in. King Richard! Robin Hood! They conquered Jerusalem and lived there for... This is where the Knights Templar came from. Then uh, after that, Saladin, the Muslim uh, leader, defeated the crusaders, reclaimed Jerusalem for the Muslims, and he removed every Christian symbol... Uh, and restored the Dome of the Rock and the Alask Mosque. And that was the status quo, pretty much until the Ottoman Empire. You remember the Ottoman Empire, Pastor showed the maps. For 400 years, 400 years, the Ottoman Turks, not Arabs, the Ottoman Turks controlled all the Middle East. There was no Lebanon. There was no Syria. There was no Jordan. They didn't even acknowledge Palestine, Israel. There was no Syria. It was Ottoman Empire land. No borders for 400 years. But then in 1917, the Turks lost World War I along with Germany. And so they lost uh, It's the right of conquest. You attack us, and we take your territory. International law says whatever territory we take, because you attack us, you lose. We win, you lose. And so, led by Britain and France, the Middle East portion of the Ottoman Empire was divided at that time. International borders were drawn. Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Jordan, and Israel. And the very first rendition of what it looked like, Israel had 75% more land than it has now. But then oil gets involved and they keep renegotiating and shrinking it. They never shrunk Lebanon. They never shrunk Syria. They never, all the Arab countries came out smelling like a rose and they kept downsizing little tiny Israel. And then Jordan, during the Six Day War, they occupied what is now called the West Bank. There was a war fought and Israel couldn't kick them out. And they were in Judea, in Samaria, what we call the West Bank. They were occupying the West Bank. That's not their land. Back Way back when, World War I, it was the League of Nations. Then in uh, World War II, it morphed into the United Nations. They all agreed, Israel, this is your land. And what's so funny in history, there's never, ever, 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 ever a mention of a Palestinian state. In all the negotiations, no one ever utters anything about a Palestinian state. Why? Because they're Arabs. They're not Palestinians. There's no such thing as a Palestinian. Palestinian, if anything, should belong to the Jews. Because it started back in the Roman era a, a couple thousand years earlier when they wanted to change Israel to Palestine after the Philistines. And the Philistines weren't Arab. They were Greeks that lived on the coast, right where Gaza is now. 
Way back when, that was all occupied by the Philistines who were Greeks, sailors. And the reason there's no mention of a Palestinian state during all these negotiations that are legally binding under international law is there was no such thing as a Palestinian. They're Arabs. And mostly they're affiliated with Jordan. When you look at all the maps through all the World War I, World War II, United Nations League, what are we going to do with this uh, ex-Ottoman Empire and how are we going to divvy up the land? They were, uh, all the Arabs in Israel were given Jordan. That's why Jordan, at that time, ended up being so big. This was their state. Of course, the Arabs fought Israel every step of the way. And it wasn't until the 60s when Yasser Arafat began the PLO terrorist organization, Palestinian Liberation Organization, that he created the, the, the narrative. It, it, it went from all of these Arab nations and tiny little Israel, it morphed from that into big Israel, into a tiny little Palestinian group. And it worked. The whole world took it hook, line, and sinker. It's funny to me that when Jordan is illegally controlling the West Bank, that's Bible land, Judea and Samaria, they controlled it from 48 to 67. No one's demanding at that time a Palestinian state. They're not even using that word. That word doesn't even exist as, as like there's an Arab people called the Palestinians. The international plan was to settle them all on the other side of the Jordan River in Jordan. But then they keep attacking Israel, trying to get the land back, trying to destroy the Jews. But it never worked. And in 1967, the Six-Day War, Israel in a miracle, defeats all these armies, all these Arab armies. And just like we said, it's the right of conquest. You attack us and we take territory by international laws of war. You control the territory. And part of that territory was the Temple Mount, Mount Moriah. The problem was Israel decided to give land for peace at that time. Look, we will let you, Jordan, control the Temple Mound as long as you give us peace. How'd that work out? So, in 67... The Muslim control over the Temple Mount was given by Israel. But it was also in 67, that's a jubilee year. 1967 is a jubilee year. 
And in Jubilee, in God's world, everything that was lost can be restored and reclaimed. And Israel, through that war, reclaimed everything. Including the Temple Mount, the Western Wall, East Jerusalem, all the Christian holy sites. Everything basically came back into Israel's hands. And what was lost to the Jewish people for 2,000 years, and really what was lost to Christians, is now back in Israel's hands. But unfortunately, they're still trying to fight wars to scour out and exterminate the Jews. It's the spirit of Amalek. And as we taught last week, Amalek uh, is on Hamas. And Hamas is in the Bible. The very first place that Hamas comes up in the Bible is uh, in the days of Noah. When God looked on the earth and, and repented that He had created the earth. And because the earth was filled with violence. The earth was filled with Hamas. Wow. So anyways, every effort to bring about peace has continued to fail. Not because of land, but because of racism, anti-Semitism. We hate the Jews. And that hatred can be traced all the way back to Ishmael versus Isaac. And we can't teach all of that, but there's a reason why uh, Sarah had Isaac, I mean Ishmael, thrown out of camp. In the Hanna-Barbera version, he was teasing Isaac. In the real version, he was tormenting Isaac. And many say with threats of death and threats of sexual abuse. So imagine how that's all fast-forwarded to to today. You still see the same things. So, yeah, land for, for peace continues to fail, but one thing will never fail. God's Word. Amen. Amen, amen. And God's Word says Israel is the land of the Jewish people. And it's also the land of our Messiah. Jesus is a Jewish Messiah. Amen. My boss is a Jewish carpenter. (laughs) There's over 400 Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. That point that a Jewish Messiah from Israel will one day rule and reign in Jerusalem. And let me uh, finish with this. One of the great prophecies about the coming of the Messiah is in Ezekiel 43. The Lord gives Ezekiel a vision of when the Lord returns, how He will set up His eternal kingdom in Jerusalem. And it says He will land on the Mount of Olives and come into Jerusalem through the eastern gate of the old city, which the Muslims conveniently uh, bricked up, like brick is going to stop the Messiah. And the Lord, this is uh, in uh, verse 7, Ezekiel 43, 7. The Lord then says to Ezekiel, Son of man, this is the place of my throne. And the place 
of the soles of my feet where I will dwell among the sons of Israel forever. Amen? That's the Word of God. That's the promise of God. And that's why we stand with Israel. Amen this morning. Are we good? Amen. Give the Lord a praise. We love you guys. Happy Veterans Day to our veterans. We have a special gift for you out at the uh, Welcome Center. A special presentation in the service. To God be the glory.